Hello and welcome to Entangled, the podcast where we explore the science of consciousness, the true nature of reality, and what it means to be a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm your host, Jordan Euclid, and today I'm joined by my friend, Tolan Lejoy. In this conversation, Tolan discusses his journey growing up north of New York City and eventually moving to Denver. We consider the division of the American public by the powers that be, including their nonstop focus on race. We next discuss the pros and cons of libertarianism versus conservatism and the radicalization of the Democratic Party establishment platform. From there, we discuss Tolan's journey down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories after the 2008 global financial crisis, which caused him to reconsider the events of September 11, 2001. Tolan relates his experience being raised Jehovah's Witness and his subsequent journey with, with religion and spirituality. Next, we consider the Illuminati and the events that took place at Jekyll Island, leading to the creation of the Federal Reserve. Tolan and I then consider the depths of corruption and child sex abuse within Hollywood. We speculate about the history of the Knights Templar, the Freemasons, and the Illuminati secret societies. We highlight the threat of Marxism and its emphasis on destruction of the nuclear family. We consider the nature of good and evil and how the failed drug war has led to mass incarceration within the United States. After that, we discuss the philosophies of libertarianism and anarcho-capitalism and why we support limited government with decentralized power. We then consider global warming, its manipulation by globalist elements, and the authoritarian measures taken by states like California and New York in the name of climatism. From there, Tolan discusses how his appreciation for freedom has developed since his incarceration for marijuana possession. We share thoughts of optimism due to the public's collective awakening process, and we end the conversation discussing Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, the war on masculinity, and the political ostracization faced by those holding anti-establishment perspectives. This outro is called Globalism versus Self-Governance and is recorded separately as episode 61. Outro is available for this and all episodes at entangledpodcast.substack.com. Music from the show available on the Spotify playlist, Entangled the Vibes. If you like the show, please drop a five-star review and subscribe on Substack, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Entangled. I'm very excited to be here tonight with my friend Tolan Lejoy. Tolan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, finally be on your podcast. We've been talking quite a bit about it, you know, up at the ski house and on our couple camping trips. Yeah, man, it's really cool. It's we've definitely, uh, you know, come to similar conclusions about a lot of things, definitely from different paths. And so um, really excited to dive in deep here with you on a bunch of those topics. To kick things off, why don't you give the uh, listeners a little bit of your background? You know, um, what was it like growing up in New York? How did you eventually make your way out to Denver? All that good stuff. Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, born and raised in New York, um, a place called the Hudson Valley. The town I was born and raised in was called Cold Spring. Um, very, very unique setting. Uh the way I like to explain it is like it was kind of like a New York City vibe. You know, we're we were close to the New York City, but it was also a very small town vibe at the same time. Um, you know, we were about 50 miles away. I went to high school with about 90 kids per class. You know, the average is about 60. Um, so it kind of gave me like a unique perspective of being close to a very prominent important city 
while also giving me kind of like the small town vibe where you know all your neighbors, you wave to everybody in town, you know everyone, there's gossip going around. Yeah, yeah, because it's an interesting combination you're talking about, right? Like working in New York and then living in this kind of rural log cabin setting, right? It's a very juxtaposition day to night. Yeah, I'll show people pictures of the place. They're like, that's New York? Like, that doesn't look like New York at all. Yeah. And we could be in the city within an hour. Yeah. What did you say the name of the town is? Called Cold Spring. Cold Spring. It's right across from West Point Military Academy. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yep. So there's a lot of cool history yeah. in the town. Yeah. Did your family have any ties to West Point? No, no. You know, both my grandfathers were in the military, but not not West Point. They mm. were kind of kind of poor immigrants, so they really they didn't really qualify for West Point at the time. Huh. But yeah, just learning about the history of the Hudson Valley. I mean, during the Revolutionary War, it was like a real crucial to get control of that river. Stop the British from going up and stuff. So Yeah, yeah. Just lots of cool old history. You don't really get much of that out here in in Colorado. Well, you do, but it's just not. It's a little different. It doesn't go as far back. Yeah. Everything seems a little bit older on the East Coast. Yeah. Interesting. And how about... uh so you mentioned, uh, was your father also a first-generation immigrant? Yeah. So yeah, what was it like, you know, for for him and your grandfathers coming over as immigrants? And, you know, what was it, their experience like? Well, my my father was born here. I never actually met either of my grandfathers. They both passed away uh, before I was born. So, and just to clarify, my, my grandfather was conceived in Italy and then was actually born here oh that's funny so i guess it's like dual citizenship is that how it works i'm not positive yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah my my yeah. grandmother was born in ireland and then moved to scotland and then moved here on my mother's side yeah but i didn't feel like it affected me at all like we really didn't think about it much growing up you know just i guess i started reflecting on it more when i got older kind of mm-hmm. understanding the struggles that immigrants had coming here and Mm -hmm. how close it is to my family Mm -hmm. you know that we really haven't been here for even 100 years Mm -hmm. just puts an interesting perspective on it but i i couldn't say it was like a topic coming up yeah growing up you know yeah yeah it's interesting how like you know when you hear time spans of like 100 years right and then you're like all right if you think about you know where we are today versus the 60s that's 60 years right like Mm -hmm. that's like I don't know, I guess my point is just like societies change so quickly that it's kind of crazy to uh, to think about how much our experience changes generation to generation. Yeah. And, you know, growing up in the 90s, there was almost like a sense of pride of being like Italian or Irish. You know, you had all like those, all the movies about yeah Italian life and bunch of the mafia influences on it and you know it was kind of like it was a little more culturally accepted than i guess it would have been in the 60s or the 70s yeah you know when my parents were growing up but when you get older and you start to read about a lot of the discrimination that went on even towards the irish and the italians it's it puts an interesting perspective on it but i can't say that i've ever had to deal with it yeah you know, the 90s was probably a pretty good time to grow up. <laughs> it feels like a better time than yeah. what we're living through now, where everyone's so focused on on race and all the cultural it's aspects. It's crazy, man. Like, what do you think has caused that to happen? Oh, man. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things that 
that are causing that, you know, I went through a phase in my life of being really into conspiracies Mm -hmm. and I don't think I'm still as into them as I used to be, but I definitely think there's powers that want us, you know, as a society pitted against each other rather than focus on focusing on the people that are in charge. Yeah. So I think there's influence between the media, public education, the politicians, celebrities, and just the narrative that's pushed on us. Yeah. You know, everything that we're consuming, if it's focused on that, and that's what you're seeing on the news, that's what the Washington Post or CNN or Fox is, is telling you to focus on. Yeah. People just end up, you know, not really thinking past the surface and focusing on that division. And it helps the people in power kind of get their way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, who's going to who's gonna focus on how all these congressmen are, have made fortunes of $100 million when you're more focused on someone's race? Yeah. Or totally. anything. He misgendered me. He, yeah. Yeah. I guess they call it the culture wars now. And yeah, I don't know. I try not to take part, part in it, but it's not enjoyable to watch. Right. Well, that's the thing, right? And you talk about, you know, libertarianism and, you know, I've had a funny progression and, you know, I, whatever you can, the labels mean different things to different people, but, you know, one argument I've heard from Candace Owens, who, you know, has, I think, I love Candace Owens. I think she has some really interesting, you know, viewpoints and, and they're often very different than, you know, mine or what, what I would historically have thought at least. And so I, but that's, you know, part of why I like her so much. It's like, I want to hear what other people, you know, that are really smart who are thinking about the same thing, coming at it from a different way, like what they think about it. And anyway, the reason I bring this up is she was having, she was interviewing Vivek Ramaswamy and they were talking about like, libertarianism versus conservative. No, sorry. It was Andrew Tate. They're talking about libertarianism and, uh, and versus conservatism. And the problem is, and I think that Candace is absolutely right, is that the problem with libertarianism and saying, you know, you do you, I'll do me, say la vie, is that when you start to get predators who are in positions of power, you know, elected positions of power, and especially if they're coming at you from the left under the cloak of liberalism, then, you know, if you if you don't have conservatives there to stand up and stop them and say, hey, get what are you doing? How did we get from we should have gay marriage to now you're a bigot if you don't think we should be mutilating the genitalia of little kids? Yeah, she's definitely someone who likes to push the envelope a little bit. So when it comes to conservatism towards first libertarianism. I will, I will say I was kind of an early Republican, not really sure where that started. I think I had like some common threads thing in like fifth grade where they tried to like, just have you figure out where you were, where you were, you know, where your stance was. And I kind of chose Republican from then on. And then I kind of realized my dad was conservative and my house was never really political to begin with, but I think he just wanted to keep more of his taxes or so I think conservatism and libertarian have a lot uh, in common and there's a lot of overlap. Like uh-huh. I, would, I would definitely say my views align more with your typical conservative thinker than your progressive thinker. I don't like to use liberal anymore because yeah. 
by definition, hijacked. progressives are not liberal. Like I'm more liberal as a libertarian than most of my friends and colleagues who vote for the Democratic Party. But yeah, I, I understand the argument where you where conservatives are supposed to like keep you in line or kind of keep the traditions around, which is kind of part of what I like about them. But I'm really more in line with the the fiscal the fiscal nature of them. But they're yeah. They're just terrible on it all. <laughs> I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, yeah, they're not fiscally conservative. Um, Who the Republicans or the Libertarians? Republicans. Yeah, the well, Libertarians, we get a pass. We're we're not really in office. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, yeah. You, you don't really like. You're just out there, kind of like saber rattling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't really hold us accountable because we don't make it into the office <laughs> or onto any debates. Um, That's funny. But yeah, I mean, I've always been at odds with things like the drug war. Yeah. Um, the wars overseas in general. Although yeah. even nowadays it seems like the conservatives are less war hawky than it's so weird Democrats. how that's changed. Yeah. I mean that's that's cause I come from very much of like a liberal. I was, you know, always a Democrat. I voted Democrat in every election. Okay. And and I'm like, who are these people? What the fuck are they talking about? Where did these people like that I thought that I was a Democrat because we believed in peace and we believed in small government and not fucking um Taking away people's civil liberties. Like, what is going on? I I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. really wish I did. I mean, if you go back on the history of the Democratic Party, it's really changed a lot. Yeah. I mean, at one time, they were the party of the Dixiecrats and the Ku Klux Klan and That's the Confederacy. True. And, you know, every Jim Crow law in the books was written by a Democrat. So, like... Yeah. Like how the party has changed. I mean, because growing up, they're for anti-war, uh, Occupy Wall Street. They're out protesting the banks. You know, anti-drug laws. They're pro-free speech. Mm-hmm. And I don't really see any of that anymore. I know, man. And I think that's part of like the culture wars. Yeah, you keeping them, or you keeping everyone just focused on these cultural issues that really shouldn't matter yeah and things that really got me into politics in the first place were like um inflation uh-huh. I, I would say the first thing that got me into politics was i graduated high school in 2008 uh-huh. right and we just had the uh, the banker bailout yeah and the recession and just out of curiosity i was like well how come i gotta learn how to balance a checkbook <laughs> but my government could be trillions of dollars in debt yeah. Like, who's holding these people accountable for this? And I really yeah. just kind of went down a wormhole or a rabbit hole, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I found libertarianism pretty quick. Uh-huh. Uh, Ron Paul. Uh, he's a homie. One. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he did some great things in that debate. Yeah. Really put some of the Republicans in their place. Yeah. Um, when did he run? Was that 2008? Yeah, 2008, he went on the Republican ticket i believe and i still wasn't really diving in that much i was kind of getting into conspiracies at that time yeah and then in um, the election after that i got pretty into gary johnson who's he gary johnson was the governor of new mexico okay and it was like a very blue state and he was elected as republican twice and he was like really easy on drugs. He was like really fiscally responsible. Yeah. Super like 
socially liberal and i was like oh this guy's like perfect and then just watching him get like shunned out of the debates where he was like polling high enough to get in but like yeah. the way the polling structure was like they wouldn't allow him on the debates because you can only have yeah. two some of that i think goes back to like ross perot and well then you start looking at all the elections with a little bit more scrutiny and it's like every time someone challenges the establishment they get the exact same treatment it's what they're doing to you know what they did to trump what they're still doing to him it's what they did they're doing to rfk juniors what they did to tulsi is to bernie it's like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. you challenge the system sorry they're gonna use every single tool of the establishment to box you out so you were a bernie supporter for a while right no, actually, no. I I was I was a Hillary Clinton supporter. But oh, okay. <laughs> enough, yeah, I know, man. Well, how times have changed. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty drastic. So, yeah. So, what was your thoughts of Bernie at the time when he was running? I thought he was clownish. I was just like, I just thought it was socialism, and you know, I think it kind of is. Right? I think we've been. I'm 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 less skeptical of Bernie than other big name politicians, but I'm pretty skeptical of Bernie too, right? Like, I think we've just mm -hmm. been, we've been getting the same fucking solution of centralization of power and expansion of federal government, but just under different names, right? Under Bernie, it's socialism. Under Clinton, it's neocon as a Democrat, right? Under Bush, it's neocon as Republican, right? It's just, it's all the same fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. So like as a libertarian, I mean, I would say, or a libertarian and cap, you know, kind of interchangeable words, but I almost believe like one of the meanings of life is freedom that uh -huh. we're as a species, we're like longing for, for freedom, freedom of choice, freedom to live the life the way you want. Yeah. And any expansion of government or any government program really just robs that from you mm -hmm. and ends up having the opposite impact of what the people who enable that to happen want. Yeah. So I never saw socialism in a favorable light. I was immediately against Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Like looking into his past life and who he was before he was a politician. And I'm just not for central control of anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, whether it's socialism, fascism, corporatism. Right. Whatever ism you want to use. Right, totally. Because again, it's all the same fucking thing, right? It's all just about consolidation of power and subjugation of the masses. Yeah, and you know, government really is, it creates a vacuum of power. And wherever there's going to be a power structure like that, there's going to be room for it to be corrupted. Right, right. And it doesn't matter how good your intentions are going in. Yeah. Whether it's the next person after you or someone who puts a bullet in your head <laughs> and that yeah. power is created someone's going to take advantage of it. So yeah. that's why I'm always for as small of a government as you could possibly have. I totally agree. And so as you talked about, you know, your kind of skepticism of the government started, you know, in 2008 with the financial crisis, is it fair to say that then you started like do researching financial history and understand how like the macro economy works or like, where did your journey go from there? Honestly, you probably went into conspiracies pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what conspiracies? That's a broad topic. Yeah, I see. Back in the day, <laughs> what was my? I don't. What I don't, was my <laughs> awakening conspiracy? <laughs> I mean, nine eleven was a huge one for me. Uh huh. Um, I mean, I went down to the World Trade Center a couple months after the attack happened. Uh huh. And you know, I'm obviously not denying that there was an attack, but there's just so yeah. many questions and 
such little funding went into the the research and it right. or is it the 9-11 commission or yeah whatever like a bunch of folks from the council on foreign yeah. on it what do you know i mean planes hit the towers a lot of people lost their lives i don't know if our government had any involvement i think they might have known and to be honest i think these people in government are so evil that i wouldn't put it past them that if they had some sort of involvement but yeah, it's just hard to say. You don't really know. I think that's kind of why I backed off for conspiracies. You um, think if you're wrong, like it's just risks are too high, maybe? Is that is that right? Or I don't know. It's just there's so much that you could focus on that you know that you could get documents for. Right. Read the history, like the Federal Reserve, which I'm sure we'll get into. Or Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it just, I guess it was kind of a jumping off point. Just sparking my interest right like, what is really going on in the world you know? and that was back in, yeah in 2001 yeah. so you've been kind of no i would it. say it was a little past 2008 just uh-huh. like well what what happened so it's kind of that back to back like you saw a documentary or something and then you and then the fucking yeah. bail, bank bailout comes and yeah. you're like what the fuck's going yeah. on yeah what is going that on and you know you're becoming an adult you're yeah sure 18 years old sure. and it's like well how does the world work and like i was right you know, I was really interested. I wanted to know how the world works. Like, I like figuring out how things work. For sure. But even going back to the conspiracies, like the Pentagon, like you're telling me there's <laughs> no footage of the plane hitting it. Yeah. Other than a gas station. It is like the, 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 the flight path that it was supposedly took. It yeah. was like, it was like, had it done like a corkscrew and some crazy, like, <laughs> anyway. Or, or, <laughs> you know, what, what was the number? Like, the Pentagon lost a trillion dollars the day before. Oh, yeah. And then that same section of the building. Yeah, exactly. Hit, oh, it's gone. A big insurance policy came out on the owner of the World Trade Centers. He took a big, right. a big insurance. Building seven yeah. falls with no plane, and there's a bunch of gold that disappears from under it. It's just like, come on, guys. There's, at a certain point. There's right? just too many questions. Yeah. You know? Like, if, if it was really a government for the people, then we should have access to almost all the information. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it is. It's like they're... Obviously, you don't you don't conceal pertinent facts if if like you're innocent. It's yeah, especially stuff like that. Like if yeah. you have nothing to hide, especially with the government, it's supposed to be us. It's supposed to be. It is of by and for the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so what other conspiracies did I believe in? I was kind of into the chemtrail thing. By the way, you so you're talking in like it's in the past tense. Does that mean that you no longer believe that or give as much credence maybe to those conspiracies? I I guess there's just so many things out in the open that are just so corrupt that I've just kind of focused my attention on those. Yeah. Rather than a bunch of what ifs, which we'll probably never get the answers to. And, you know, I, I hope and I do believe that there are people who that, that's their niche. Yeah. Just to kind of find that, you know, mm-hmm. Alex Jones was kind right. of that guy. That was like David Icke. Yeah. I mean, even looking at Alex Jones, he's kind of a, like a loose nut, but. I love he's, him, though. I think he's he so is, funny. Yeah, he's exposed a bunch of things that are true. He's been right away more than he's been wrong. Same with Ike, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the lizard people, he kind of lost me on that. <laughs> Dude, but, I hear you, man, but the fucking... I mean... I, d- I believe that there are absolutely non-human beings of sentience interacting with this, right? And I think that there's a important reason where we've been led to believe we're alone on this planet and in the universe and 
I think hybrid genomics are more plausible than, you know, maybe we would think. Who knows? I, but I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that there are lizard people. Yeah. I'm just saying I, I, don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of You don't know, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's kind of, I mean, it's almost ignorant to, like, say that you know something for a fact. Like, I'm not religious, but I would never say I'm atheist because, like, I don't know that God doesn't exist. Sure. So you'd be more, like, agnostic. More agnostic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually raised Jehovah's Witness too. No, so I didn't know that. I was Tell raised. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, so I was atheist for a good portion of my life, but I, I was raised Jehovah's Witness. Uh, my mom was. My dad really didn't give a shit. But yeah, it was very culty. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't it pretty orthodox typically? Yeah, very strict religion. We didn't have... We didn't celebrate birthdays. We didn't celebrate Christmas or Halloween. Oh yeah, was that, that a bummer? Stuff. It was kind of mixed because, like, my dad would celebrate them for me and with me, and my mom kind of just didn't partake. Uh, sure. But, yeah, we, like, used to go to church and everything, and I was way too young to really understand what was going on. But of course. It's the only reality you know. I know. At, at one point, we went to a wedding, and, like, my mom did, like, all the baked goods, and my dad spent all his money on it. And then, because my dad didn't practice, they, like, put us at our t- this table, like, mm-hmm. By ourselves. And you're like, that's so funny. <laughs> and you know, like my dad's kind of stereotypical, like Italian, like pride's a thing. He's like, I spent all damn money in this place. I'm going to sit us by ourselves. He's like, he's like, and I told your mother, like, we're never coming back. You're never taking my kids here again. You can go if you want. And then, and then we kind of just stopped going. But it was. That's funny, man. Yeah, it was like, because my father wasn't a member of the church. Like, we were just treated differently and mm-hmm. not accepted. Is your mom still one? No, no. She's um, a, she kind of backed off her religion. She's kind of back on it now. And she's getting a little bit older. On Jehovah's Witness religion or no, different, no, really? Just Christian. Just Christian, so, yeah. Which, you know, I I'm also not I kind of have more positive look on religion now than I probably ever did. Yeah. I think I think it's a good thing for people to have some sort of structure that's not forced on them. Yeah. Like my problem is when there's like a big powerful church that's controlling things. Mine too. Yeah. But as far as like people getting together voluntarily to create community and to have some sort of like common mindset and to look after each other and, you know, like the Ten Commandments is just a pretty solid way to live your life. Yeah. You know, like those are pretty good laws. Like those could be the only laws and I'd, I'd, I'd be happy as, yeah. a, as a libertarian. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I also think like religions aren't really treated fairly now. Whether it was just labeling Christians a bigot. If they That's don't, insane too. Yeah, if they don't like or just on that assumption themselves that, oh, they're religious. Therefore, they're, they're evil. Yeah. Weird days. Yeah. What about you? Are you more agnostic or? No, I used to definitely be more agnostic. Now I definitely am uh, very spiritual for okay. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely like, I would, I would believe I, my conception of God has changed a lot. Like I would say that um, I now think about it as like, not like some entity, like outside of me or some kind of like creator necessarily. That is not that I am less than right like some type of master ruling over me i think that's kind of the perception i had of it at least from you know the portrayal i think of judaism and christianity and 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 islam you know the western religions i do think that we're taught that it's kind of this patriarchal 
external God ruling over you, right? Commanding you and kind of changing the rules on a whim based on, on his moods. And so anyway, that was kind of my perception of God. So at least kind of initially, maybe growing up. And I also think that we're kind of taught in school that like God is antithetical to science, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think, again, is a very deliberate divide and conquer kind of thing. And also to keep us, you know, disconnected from source. Yeah. But yeah, now when I think about it, you know, I think that consciousness, the fact that we are conscious, right? It's not just some unimportant random mutation of evolution, but that actually consciousness is foundational and that the entire reason we have experience is to have this existence of consciousness. And I think that, you know, perhaps our entire experience as manifest beings on this planet earth is to recognize that we've always been one, right? That that's kind of the whole cosmic joke of life that it's, you get to experience duality Mm -hmm. to remember that there's always been unity fundamentally. Okay. Yeah. And I definitely think it's interesting how many crossovers there are between the religions. Yeah. Yeah, totally. How many of the stories or the tales are very similar? And then you don't know really throughout history. Like I'm always kind of focusing on power. And for a long... Do you know about the Council of Nicaea? I don't. Yeah, well, we got to talk about that, but keep going. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there is obviously in a lot of cultures throughout history, like the church has been a source of power and control. Yeah. And totally. how that's corrupted religion in itself. I mean... The Vatican's probably just as corrupt as DC, but I don't think that necessary necessarily represents religion as a whole. Um, no, you're well. I, I don't. I agree, but I do think that the most powerful organized religious institutions today are all connected by the same kind of nefarious secret societies that have infiltrated them. Right? I think they. I do okay. think that they're all connected in the back. I really do. And what societies would those be? I mean, I think it's the Illuminati at the top. Okay. Yeah, I do. I mean, I mean, into conspiracies. I was pretty big yeah. into Illuminati at one well, point. Well, yeah, exactly. Let's like, talk about Jekyll Island, right? Like, okay, Je- Jekyll Island. My dad actually lives on the island next to it. Yeah, and uh, it's down down in South Georgia, and it was a game preserve where all of the bank. So all these bankers had this game this game resort island place where they would hunt and they literally conspired (laughs) to rob the American people of their Mm -hmm. wealth Mm -hmm. to create a private bank, which they would issue the currency to the United States government. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, it was kind of in the shadow of night. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I, I can, (laughs) elaborate on it too much but basically i mean what it what it ends up coming down to is if you look at the debits and credits of what's happening at any central bank which is exactly what the federal reserve is don't fall for any of this we've got a reserve we're a decentralized organization whatever that's all nonsense the fact is is that a the new york federal reserve is by far the most important of all the branches and b it doesn't matter because if you look at all the underlying ownership they're the same banks that own all of the members of all the different branches of the Federal Reserve. So it's been a corrupt institution from the get-go. You know, this meeting that happened in the early 1900s at Jekyll Island, there were two groups of bankers that were known to represent 
one half was the Rockefeller group. One half was the Morgan group, JP Morgan. That is essentially, you, you just follow the biggest banks today. The ones that were represented there are the ones that are still the biggest banks today. And then, oh, by the way, if you look at who was actually financing the Rockefellers and the Morgans, you recognize it was the Rothschilds. You go back a few generations. Meyer Amschel Rothschild was one of the founding members of the Illuminati. Okay. Rothschild, that's always been a name that's been um, yeah. to the Illuminati's. There was this one YouTuber who confronted one of the Rothschilds. Really? Luke, something something like Polish. I can't think of his name. His channel is called We Are Change. Okay. Have you ever heard it? But uh -uh. He, did like, he does like a lot of like grassroots journalism and he like found one of the Rothschilds and asked him about it. And That's funny. The guy just kind of laughed it off and, and didn't really give him any, anything about it. But dude, it's crazy when these guys get confronted, like they don't know what to do. Like it's, it's wild. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm just going to bring it back to conspiracies. I mean, I remember hearing about the Bilderberg group, I yeah, think from exactly. Alex Jones. Yeah. And how it you would hear it's a conspiracy. It doesn't happen. And then once he exposed it and he would get big protests to happen there. Yeah. Then it was just like, oh, it's just normal for all the most powerful people in the <laughs> Meeting planet. Meeting the secrets yeah. at night. <laughs> all of the bankers, all of the politicians all the across media the world. People, yeah. <laughs> all the scientists. What the fuck is going on? Henry Kissinger is always just lurking around. Kissinger. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's weird, man. But I think, no, look, I think people don't like talking about the Illuminati because it just is so conspiracy, right? It's like kind of mm -hmm. the, the quintessential, but it, it, I mean, that's the whole point, right? These guys are masters of psychological warfare. They're masters of Marxism. They know that the best way to deflect attention from what you're doing is accusing your opponents of doing exactly that. Right. So I think we just have to label it what it is. The Illuminati is real. We can trace the fucking flow of funds. We know these motherfuckers are involved in human trafficking and we got to just, Put a stop to it and, and root it out at the fucking core, man. I'm sick of it. So, so my question with Illuminati would always be like, what is, what is their actual control when it comes to like the celebrities who are doing like yeah. Illuminati signs? So um, I think it's a few things for those guys. The way, the way I think about it for Hollywood is like, I think to have any level of like success, you have to at least be completely complicit and silent about whatever's going on. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that also a lot of the people that you see in Hollywood are very much more victims than they are perpetrators or even like enjoying their celebrity. Right. Like I think a lot mm -hmm. of these people, when you look at like how young most of the big names yeah. like were when they came to celebrity, I think they just get fed into this predatory environment yeah. where they're attacked by pedophiles and then they just, they think that's their environment, and then they get millions. And then if you want to reach the highest levels of the Illuminati, that's when you have to start, you know, also engaging in really, really so, depraved stuff. So you would think the majority of the celebrities are complicit? Or yeah. Or they're just stuck in a system that they're trying to climb to, and maybe only the highest up are really complicit and understand what's really going on. I think a lot of them are under, like, MK Ultra programming and okay. stuff like that. Because so I, I think that's a lot of what... Epstein's Island was about. Yeah, for sure. Was we're going to get dirt on you. And yeah, that was definitely. a lot of times for my assumption would be people who weren't a Disney Channel star and are becoming a person of power and influence. Yeah. And get invited to someone's mega mansion on an island and then yeah. aren't told the girls are underage. And then, oh, you slept with a 14 year old. Right, exactly. It's filmed 
I control you or else. Well, and that's been, out. that's been one of their top Unless you're Bill Gates and you is, go down there like times. Or yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I think it is. I think it's this hierarchy of just like evil, corrupt, incompetent, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they just, but I also do think that they're really good at infiltration and they either, they either do what you're talking about where they get someone, you know, drunk and then they're on camera, you know, banging a 14 year old or whatever, mm-hmm. or they find someone in their gross networks who they know already is a pedophile and then put him in a very high power position. Right now he's CEO of Pepsi or whatever the fuck, you know yeah. what I mean? And I mean, those kind of positions, it's like that type of power. I mean, it almost doesn't come with corruption. You know, the people without, who- you mean? Without corruption. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the people running for the highest office. Like, right. I just don't think good hearted people want to have power over a bunch of other people. Well, but I don't think it's supposed to be about power over, right? And I think it, at the end of the day, for me, like, comes down to the debt based economic system is just a house of cards, like, from the get go. I think yeah. it just encourages usury. Like, I think as we expose what's going on at the highest levels, we're going to need to think through like, how do we restructure the entire economy to just not have this fucking Ponzi scheme house of cards that we're always on top of. Right. I think something like 97% of the total money supply in in the world today is debt. The the rest is actual cash. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, what do you expect? What are you doing? We're just, we've just created this evil octopus suction cup that's taken all of our wealth. And it's just the federal reserve literally just puts numbers out. And oh, that's how they create money. It's just they put out numbers, just type them up. There's no gold to go to back it anymore. I mean, there's there's some crazy charts out there to like just show the inflation from the 70s alone, which obviously right. the Federal Reserve was already created by then. But then that's when we came off the precious metal standard, the gold standard. Mm-hmm. And just the inflation rate has skyrocketed since then. The price yeah. of houses. Well, because central bankers are incentivized to do that, right? Because yeah. you know, you look at you look at how inflation takes place, and it's and I might I may be getting the funds flow a little bit wrong, but I think it's it it works essentially something like this: the Federal Reserve prints prints credit for treasury. the treasury. Yep, exactly. And then they get the federal interest rate, and that's just fucking pure money in the Rothschilds yeah. and Rockefellers. Well, the Fed, pocket. the Fed, I'm pretty sure creates the interest rate as well. Yeah, exactly. And then the and then which is the, why Ron Paul has been saying audit the Fed since like 2008. Right, exactly. And then and then the so then this Treasury Department, which you know these guys put their their bureaucrat in place to control that, mm-hmm. they at an increased spread then issue loans to other buyers, right? Corporations, pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, that kind of thing at a markup. And then the treasury department gets that seniorage. And then lo and behold, the people who get all the money from investing in those bonds are the same people that control the biggest corporations. So they control of that money and wealth. Initially, they get to use it to prop up their own, you know, power and resources by the time it actually trickles down to the people, prices have risen and you hit, get hit with inflation. Yeah. And then they also own, I mean, those big banks all own the credit cards, which is why they're trying to go to a cashless right. society. Because exactly. then anytime anything's purchased in the entire country or the entire planet, the bank gets a portion of it, right? For the transaction fees. What, what, I mean, what, are, what are credit cards at? Like 22%? 
APR. That's freaking mafia usury. Yeah. And that and loan shark. On top of that, like the fees, like I said, interest rate. I mean, it's all it's all just nonsense. And I would so much rather people focus on this stuff, which, you know, when I, when I was younger, I was one of those people just on Facebook all the time. Just, yeah, young guy yelling at the clouds, you know, and, <laughs> and just getting called a conspiracy theorist and you don't know what you're talking about. And like now I go through my Facebook memories and I'm like, wow, I was right about that. I was yeah, right yeah. about that. I was right about that. It's like now I'm a little more silent because like, I just don't care. I'm tired yeah. of being right all the time. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I mean, it just needs to change. Things are things are tough for most people right now. Yeah. And, you know, COVID really accelerated it. And that's something I thought was absolutely by design again. A hundred percent. And I didn't comply to any of the nonsense. Didn't wear masks. Didn't get vaccinated. Lost my job. I was working around New York City and New York just shut down. That was really the reason I left New York too. I remember I went hiking in like my hometown and a DEC officer tried to like send me home for trying to go hiking by myself. And I was like, so insane. What do you, I'm not going to give anyone COVID hiking by myself. Yeah. And also some of my backgrounds like in, in consultant and I do like environmental consultant, health consultant, safety consultant. And I was hired by Pfizer, ironically enough, to fit test their workforce mm-hmm. and determine what type of respiratory protection that they should wear for different jobs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have like a really good understanding and grasp on res- respiratory protection. So masks really the whole insane. time, I was like, these don't do anything. Yeah. It's just a compliance thing. How, how far can we push them? Yeah. Like, and... The amount of people who've made millions off the COVID pandemic, billions. Yeah. It was, COVID was the biggest transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich in, in at least modern history. Yeah, for sure. And no one wants to talk about it. Yeah. You'd think all the Bernie Sanders supporters would, would be super into that topic since he's always talking about redistribution of wealth. But for some reason, politicians just don't like to go against the establishment. Whether it's Illuminati tied or just government establishment itself, I mean, yeah. definitely anti-establishment. It. I mean, it's definitely at the very least tied to their campaign financing, right? Like, come on. Yeah. It's just so hollow now. And I think what gives me great hope is how we're just so much more interconnected one you know we've got instant communications i think what elon did in buying twitter was just amazing and i I just i i I wonder where we'd be honestly as a country right now if he hadn't but anyway nonetheless like i think that we can just call people on their bullshit right immediately to their face now right and it's just like the thing is these these guys who fucking put up these smoke and mirrors and say, you know, whatever the party line is for why they don't want to do something when really it's just whoever is paying for their campaigns doesn't want it, right? Like it just it's so much harder for them to get away with it now because we can just call out their contradictions and their clear misalignment of priorities with what the human population of America wants. So do you think it's always been like this or do you think like the invention of the internet has just helped expose it all? Exactly. I think it's always been like this okay, and yeah. the internet's get exposed. I will say though, also on the Illuminati point, I think that there's always, you know, been power structures and, and 
these guys kind of tie back to like organized criminals from like the 700 AD. You know what I mean? Like so, there's, there's. So would you tie like Knights Templar in with like Illuminati? I, I, like I'm, I'm sure it fits. The Freemasons definitely fits. Well, because they so, evolved from the Knights Templar, right? Yeah. So I don't know much about the Knights Templar, but my understanding of the Freemasons is in relation to the Illuminati, right? Is the Freemasons started as a really beautiful spiritual tradition based on like the ancient um, mystery traditions? Have you heard of that phrase before? Not so much. Sure. So taking a step back, um, guys like Graham Hancock and the kind of ancient civilizations folks he, now kind of think that he's the best. He's the best. But yeah, I think the the overarching thesis is that there was an advanced civilization that existed before the last, the end of the last ice age, the younger drives okay. impact period. Yep, very familiar with them. Yep, exactly. And so that those folks knew certain sacred sciences, right? Astrology, alchemy, numerology, sacred geometry, all these kind of things that we poo poo today as fairy tale mystery dust, right? Okay, yeah. That they actually understood how to, you know, use these things and, and understood these secrets, secrets of the universe. And so then you extrapolate to, you know, civilization was mostly wiped out, but there were survivors, there were remnants of these mystery traditions that made its way to our modern society. Mm -hmm. And that's your point earlier, why all these religions have all these commonalities. It's because they all come from the same tree mm -hmm. and it's all based, it, it, all, it is truth, right? That at, at its source, science, divinity, philosophy, they're all one. Okay. So anyway, where were we, where were we talking well, about before so that? I guess why I brought that up is because when I was a little heavier into conspiracies, uh, the Freemasons and oh, yeah, were yeah, always yeah, brought yeah. up, but it could just be so, that you know people are trying to figure out how everything works and they're just seeing. So, ancient, so here's here's well, my ancient, understanding of what the Freemasons were is that this was the time like 1500, 1600s, 1700s when the church was still the dominant power. And yeah. if you question church dogma, and this is why we got to get into Council of Nicaea. Okay. But anyway, if you question church dogma, your fucking head was cut off, right? You know, like Galileo and Kepler and shit like that. Like, so anyway, they, the Freemasons were a secret society that had restored the mystery traditions of the Christian philosophy and probably not just Christianity, right? I'm sure they, they pulled in you know, the Indian sacred traditions and, and other places as well, but because they couldn't, you know, oppose the church, they had to do it in these secret societies. And it ended up attracting the most aristocratic, the most successful, the, you know, the kind of poshest, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, and they also had this like kind of bind of secrecy as being a Freemason. Fast forward to the end of the 1700s, the Rothschilds get together with psychopaths like Adam Weishot, Weishot and Jacob Frank. And, core to their initial strategy is to infiltrate Freemasonry. They knew that they could take advantage of A, the oath to secrecy and B, the high power clientele okay. and start blackmailing those folks, you know, doing what, what Epstein was doing today, right? It's just all been an evolution of that shit. So anyway, long story short, over the next 250 years, Freemasonry has kind of developed into this kind of facade of the, not, I shouldn't say facade. I think the majority of people who are in it are still joining it for the belief in these ancient traditions and don't yeah. even know this kind of whole backstory of, of this darker side of the Freemasonry mm -hmm. web exists, but it very much does. And it very much is involved in kind of everything going on. Yeah. Well, I would definitely, I mean, I would look into how they evolved from the, the Knights Templar too, because <laughs> at least my understanding is that they were almost a direct evolution from them. Yeah, and, um, and my limited understanding of the Knights Templar is they started out like really 
really noble kind of egalitarian ideal where they would go around and provide banking. And it all comes back to the control of the coin, right? Mm -hmm. Where they would provide almost like a credit union type service or like a, a Western union rather type service okay. where you could get, you know, you could deposit your money with them in, you know, Peru or whatever. And then, and then in another Peru is probably a bad example, but like, you know, Turkey, <laughs> Turkey, <laughs> and then go to, go to UK, right. Or something, get yeah. your money out and it would be, you know, no interest at all. And it was all for like Christians to support their family and to like start businesses and all these really great idealistic stuff. And then I think what what happened in like this is like the 1200s was that for some reason the church just gotten felt that they had too much power, so the church kind of betrayed them and mm -hmm. killed them all. And so there's also I think elements of the conspiracy that like some of the Knights Templar may have kind of turned evil and, and eventually became the Illuminati and like wanted to plot revenge on the church. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so when you go down those wormhole holes, who do you really yeah. know? What to believe? I'm just yeah, a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan of anyone questioning anything. Anyone For sure. who's against whether it's the establishment or dogma, like you're saying, who's just willing to question why? Why are things the way they are? Do they have to be this way? Because I know I feel very controlled. That's one of the reasons I even left New York. It's even just the difference from New York to Colorado. Yeah. Just to feel a little bit more free. Yeah. Even though I don't really feel free in this country. But yeah, I definitely need to take another deep dive into some of this stuff. It's been it's been a while for sure. <laughs> like, I think I've been really just focusing more on whether it's COVID. Really, I, I really went in a wormhole with COVID. I yeah, not. I think COVID woke least. a lot of people up because it was a. You're now like you're kind of just it shook you of your daily routine to start questioning like, hey, what's going on? And if it didn't, it's almost like, what are you waiting for? Yeah, exactly. I think if they could lock you in your home, convince you to take an experimental drug, right. shut down the economy. I mean, I, the fact that people are still like, oh, why are houses, why are groceries so expensive? Why is everything so expensive right now? And it's like they shut down the economy and handed everyone $1,200 a week. It's yeah, like, but they also do that. You know, they they specifically don't teach people how the economy works or how inflation works or how taxes work because it's such a fucking scam. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not sure what schools are teaching anymore. I feel like I didn't get much out yeah. of it. I know, man. I, lear I learned more probably from my father and certain podcasters and totally and just experiences than and education at yeah. least formal education yeah i really feel like they kind of teach you what to think instead of how to think as cliche as that may be and they really put you in a box and it's definitely it's definitely a left-wing bias to it all uh, and yeah i don't know yeah i don't have any kids going through i know <laughs> man I, i'd be right now i have nieces and like you know yeah and i've got a bunch of friends i have young kids it's like man it's like but at the same time, I almost feel better for the ones that are going right now because at least now people have caught on to it, right? It's like the mm -hmm. last generation that just like, it's like 10% trans kids. It's like, what is going on? Like, why are they giving these kids all these hormone blockers? And yeah, shit? This I mean, is crazy. I definitely think it, you, you brought up Marxism before. I definitely, I, I really think it comes down to Marxism, which also yeah. kind of seems like a cliche because like a lot of just like, Typical right-wing thinkers will just call everything they don't like 
communism or, or Marxism, but you know, Marxism is about separating the family and breaking up the family and making everyone reliant on the state or the, or the, the central, the central power. Yeah. So whether it's breaking up family, breaking up religion, pitting them against each other, creating class and cultural warfare. I mean, that's all like divide and conquer, divide and conquer. But see, I do think it could go even deeper than that. Right. And I think this is kind of, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on the nature of good and evil, right? And I think for me, making that transformation in my worldview of of believing that there is God and that God is much more profound than I ever could have imagined, right? But good, good and evil. It's it's and so yeah, what I was gonna say is yeah, just it just has really also forced me to realize that the forces of evil are probably much realer than I thought and take stranger forms than you know, we maybe were familiar or, you know, would have expected as well. So anyway, all that's to say, what is your view on the nature of good and evil? I mean, it really just seems so easy to me. Like the essence of good is going to benefit yourself without harming anybody else. It's going to, you know, like, you know, when you did something wrong, but you don't, I guess, and does does that come from religion? Is that where that really comes from? Or is it just like a sense that we have? I guess that's, like, I'm not religious, so it could be just that that's been engraved in our culture from religion. But I feel like I I don't need religion to know when I did something good or evil that, like, my consciousness tells me. And maybe that could be what God is. Interesting. But, yeah, I mean, you know, this is really just coming off the cuff, but yeah, good would be benefiting other people, benefiting yourself and really not harming someone. Something that's for like the greater good without having a yeah. negative impact. And then, but I'm not, I'm at, let me, let me ask you a little bit differently. Cause I'm not saying what would you label things as good and evil, right? Okay. Like the power, what, what is the source of good and evil? What is the source of it? I just think it's in us. I think it's in yeah. us to kind of be evil and you kind of have to fight to be good. Not that it even seems like that much of a, it doesn't seem like a fight to me, but I feel like you always have kind of thoughts. Like, like the kind of like devil and the angel on the shoulders kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I can't say I've really thought that much about it. Yeah. I mean, now I am, but. <laughs> so tell me about, you know, you mentioned a few times that you don't like politicians that are super hard on drugs. So can we talk about, you know, is that, is that seven from anything? Yeah. Yeah. The drug war was another thing that really got me into politics. Yeah. I mean, I mean, part of it's just, it, all right. So I'll start where it stems from. When I was 21, I got arrested for having some marijuana and it was really just an eye opening experience to me to be like, how can, We'd be putting people in cages for a crime that doesn't affect anyone else, any sort of negative impact. And I mean, to me, that's evil. Like, that's just an example of it. So like the drug war, I remember at one point we had, what was it? 4.5% of the world's population 
and 25 or 20 percent of the world's prison population is a really eye-opening stat for me to be like wow are we really the home of the free so the drug war is definitely something i was really passionate about from like an early age yeah i mean i am a absolute proponent of decriminalizing all drugs i mean i don't use opiates never have but i don't see why we should be putting someone in a cage for doing heroin like if they want to lock themselves in their room put a needle in their arm and ruin their all their own life that's just part of freedom and they should have the ability to do that yeah and then the argument you usually get is that you're gonna like your your life's gonna go downhill which is true that you're gonna steal become a criminal to support that habit but that's where you know the law should come in where oh you stole for that habit that's when it's that's when you should become a criminal rather than just creating a nat- a nation of criminals for being for putting a substance in your body i mean yeah. and the impacts of the drug war are everywhere whether it's affecting us financially because we have to fund these overcrowded prisons that it's ruining the countries where these drugs are grown. It's taking fathers out of homes and it's creating a black market where people are, are overdosing on fentanyl or, yeah, man. or heroin. And that, it's also, it hits home with me because my, my hometown had a real bad drug problem. You know, it was kind of like a New York City suburb. So there was like a decent amount of wealthy people there. And, you know, some people thought it was boring growing up in the woods. And like I said, I graduated with about 90 kids. My sister graduated with about 60. I think we're at about 25 overdoses from that small town of about 2,000. That's crazy, man. So I've been to so, so many wakes and funerals for people I've known since I was five years old that I'm almost like numb to it. Yeah. And is it opiates? It's almost strictly opiates. Uh-huh. And this, a lot of this was before the fentanyl. Uh-huh. I mean, from the time we graduated, I mean, we just had friends and loved ones just passing away like every year, multiple year. And was that when like Purdue Pharma was just like pumping them out and all that. I mean, I, I Definitely comes down to the pharmaceutical companies, which yeah. I think are some of the most evil corporations in the country. But, you know, it comes back down to the drug war itself where mm. you don't know where you're getting it. Like if, if I were to buy, let's just use whiskey. If I was going to buy whiskey and they didn't, they didn't take all the ethanol out and I consumed that ethanol and died, you could trace it back to the distillery I got it from because mm-hmm. it's all legal. Mm-hmm. Like. You can't trace these bad drugs and where they're coming from. And I mean, every aspect of the drug war from crazy, from gang violence, everything. I mean, you'd you'd think the country would learn from prohibition and what happened in like the the, uh, the 30s or 20s. 30s. Prohibition's in the 30s, right? 20s. 20s? I think it was over like 28. And that basically started organized crime, well, outside of. The government, which is the biggest organized organized crime in the in the country, 
but yeah, the drug war is definitely another thing that sparked my interest into the libertarian or, or yeah. And anarcho-capitalism. Yeah. What does that mean? I hadn't heard that term before. Uh, yeah. So ANCAP stands for anarcho-capitalism where I believe in anarchy, or at least I think the utopian vision of my ideology would be anarchy. Uh, I see it differently than a lot of the left-wing anarchists, because I don't know how you could be a Marxist, communist, and an anarchist. Doesn't make any sense, because yeah, you need like where would you state. would you put Antifa in the communist bucket? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then capitalists. I believe in capitalism. I think capitalism is just like a the freedom of trade yeah but we don't have capitalism today no we don't so that's what i want so that's what you want well and you know if you kind of look at the united states it was kind of an experiment of not even really free market capitalism Mm -hmm. but the closest thing to it Mm -hmm. and what was it it was a bunch of immigrants from across the country coming here Mm -hmm. for a better life Mm -hmm. and it ended up with giving the poorest people in this country the best standard of living mm-hmm. this planet has ever seen. Yeah. And that was just a, sl- a sl- like a, a freedom. Mm-hmm. 200 and something years. It, it, it's, it's mind blowing. That's why I think humanity would thrive with freedom. Mm-hmm. I not, think we will. I'm not someone who thinks overpopulation is a problem. No. I think that's been a tactic Bullshit. used by people in power for a really long yeah. time. I think that we're incredibly capable species and that we can figure out a way to solve most of the problems and i think that government whether it's just the nature of government or whether it's illuminati controlling it that they hinder everything everything they get their hands on becomes mm-hmm. worse mm-hmm. they ruin it they bankrupt it people get in there steal wealth from the rest of us and create their own power yeah and you know you said earlier that we're not free in what ways aren't we free in what ways are we not free yeah i mean Every way. <laughs> Big mean, brother. I mean, taxation is theft. Yeah. So that's literally stealing stealing your wealth. I mean, taxation is theft. And when you boil it down, it's theft of your time. So it's if if stealing a hundred percent of someone's income is slavery, what percentage isn't slavery? You're saying because you're stealing any percent, like it's like, a, yeah, because yeah, it, it takes my time and effort to make that, mm-hmm. to make to make whatever income I'm making. But don't you do you think it's possible realistically to have a society where you have no government that, or at least a government that's not funded by any taxes? I think that's the utopia. I think yeah. that's like my dream ideal. World. Do I think that's realistic now? No, it's almost like the. The fantasy utopia. But, but that's I think, where we're I at, though. We, we got to figure out how to get we there. Need to we're head, at that point. We need to head that way. Yeah, exactly. To the smallest government. And you know what? You could have a socialist society in a free country. So let's say, like, the whole country becomes anarcho-capitalism, what I want to see. One little city could have voluntary socialism and figure out if it works. Yeah. As long as it's not forced on people. So it's basically another way to say it is, like, Super decentralized governance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't care what some small town is doing. I mean, Aurora. I don't live in Aurora. If they want to have some sort of voluntary yeah. agreement, I just won't live there. 
But when there's a big federal government controlling all the people in this yeah. country, yeah, yeah. that's where the problem is. I, I think, like, in a realistic sense, government needs to be as localized as possible. So any getting it in that direction yeah, by any means. Small. I mean, I would abolish the federal government tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think the world would be a better place. But, but the thing is, you can't just rip the court off right there, right? Like, right, like I think you would just cr- create so much havoc and panic and chaos. You yeah. Know, the entire global economy relies on the dollar. Like, this, you know, the U.S. government's the largest employer in the entire world. So, like, I don't know. It doesn't have to be that way. No, before, I, it shouldn't be. No, you know, I'm, I'm before fully the, with you. Before the 1900s. I'm fully with you, but I, just, yeah. I don't think that we can, like, we, I think now's the time that we got to figure out these hard problems and figure out how do we realistically go from what we have today, but don't create a situation where we create absolute chaos, in the, you know, in the transition period. I mean, that's going to be a hard problem to, to figure out, but man. I know. Give me the answers, Poland. The only thing I could tell you is that they're not going to, the federal government's not going to stop growing. It's not going to. Unless gonna, we stop them. I think we're at that point where we're really, literally at a crossroads, and I don't think it's hyperbolic to say, like, we're either going straight towards totalitarianism or we're going towards actual freedom of the individual. Well, there's going to be a rough period in between that. <laughs> you think so? You think it's going to get to that? It's, you know, sometimes I'm not sure if I'm optimistic or pessimistic. Yeah. It's like, more people are, are waking up now than ever before, but that more people are just as indoctrinated as yeah. ever. Yeah. Where there's just blatant, they're, they're just ignoring blatant facts. Just, I, I just don't, I don't know. It's people that I, don't, don't want to under- get over their ego. It's like they've dug their heels yeah. in this long that they're just like, fuck it. Like I'm just, just detaching from reality and telling what the television people tell me. Yeah, and I've so, been in this view for so long, it's like hard for me to even understand. I how, get it, yeah. How see, these people yeah. see the world. Like how, how anyone could see what happened during COVID and just still like – back the establishment in any yeah. sense at all it, yeah. it blows my mind i don't know i don't know how you do it yeah. <laughs> i mean unless you literally like are turning on msnbc and cnn or fox you just believe in every single word that you do i think it's that or it's people that just like are so politically detached that they just like have no idea that there's even a counter narrative that's being offered mm-hmm. so so you think of the of the federal government just was reduced in complete size you think it would just be utter chaos no i think that's definitely where we need to get and i think it can be done quicker rather than later but i'm just saying i don't think you can just say hey you know there's no government everyone go home tomorrow yeah but there still be local police departments communities no i I I think communities would police themselves like they no, used to I, I look i fully agree with you yeah. i think that we need to like there, there needs to be a way to like say hey we're that we're gonna unwind it like we need to have some type of strategy going into it to say hey you all are gonna cover these things that are, we're doing that are being done by this i don't know i mean people i support say they would abolish the department of education tomorrow yeah the fda tomorrow yeah like wh- what are they really doing to benefit our lives no, at I, all? I think that's true all these that, bureauc- that's i think all I, these I, would bureaucracies, yeah. I would agree with both of those but then I think keep, most keep them, it I would, going would which say that. which federal program is like a necessity i guess you could say defense 
which is still... Uh, I don't even think that. But, I mean, I think there is, but there's so much of what we spend on defense is just us buying weapons and fighting needless, endless wars. Yeah. No, and that's another thing that really got me into libertarianism as yeah. well. It's like, and that's why I didn't understand why, like, all my left-wing friends didn't hop on. It's like, aren't you guys anti-war? Like, yeah. I haven't seen an anti-war protest from the left in, since Obama was president. Yeah, because fucking... <laughs> Raytheon's fucking funding yeah, Joe Biden's it, campaign. You look at his Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, he worked at Raytheon right before his taking yeah. over. So it's like... Not the drone... The drone killing champion of the world. Or... Yeah, I mean... It's crazy, man. Like, I went, I went down to the Occupy Wall Street protest, too, and it's just like, where is... Where did that go? Where's, where is, like, the left's fight against the establishment? In any sense of the word. I mean, I, I definitely went through, like, a very big, like, anti-left time, probably the last five, seven years. Yeah. Because I just feel like... Well, look at what Robert Kennedy's doing. I, I think that's a perfect example. Yeah, and what's the left Kennedy. doing to him? <laughs> yeah, but the ones that are supporting him are waking up, right? Yeah. He's got... I saw his point at, like, 25% now. Oh, I'm all about Robert Kennedy. I would... I mean, depending on who else is running, I'd probably vote for him. Do you yeah. listen to... But I think to your point, it does seem like the DNC, like the Democratic, the voter. Loyalists. I'm talking about the voter base. No, I know, I know what you're talking about. I'm saying I think the Democrat loyalists are like kind of like the one core constituent of the American public that has not woken up in mass. But it's it's happening there bit by bit. Yeah, I, I I hope so. Yeah, but I feel like when they wake up, they stop voting that way. And and I'm not trying to like defend conservatives in any sense. It's just no. where did it go? Like I don't see any. One on the left protesting the drug war anymore, protesting right. the banks, protesting the right. wars. What are they protesting? Oil? <laughs> and, and Well, it's because fucking yeah. Citizens United and now they're just all funded by the corporations and that's all that they talk about. That's all they care about. They don't care about the fact that, you know, we're at a fucking cost of living worse than the Great Depression and the bubble hasn't even burst yet. It's mm -hmm. like, come on. Well, and that's another thing I think is a big distraction. The global warming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Now we got to put up 15-minute cities in Cervalia all the time. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure what you're referencing there. I'm just saying that, like, there, there's, like, cities in, in Europe and shit, and they're bringing to the U.S. too, where they're, like, using global warming as a reason to say, like, you have, like, specific units of carbon that you can use and, like, how far oh, you yeah. drive and shit. It's crazy. It's 100% about control. Yeah. I mean... And, you know, I'm as outdoorsy really as it gets. It's part of the reason I've moved out here to Colorado. Like, I care about the environment a lot, but I also think I have a little more context of what the planet's been through before humans were ever here. Yeah. I mean, so where do you really stand on global warming? Because that's like a real hot topic issue. Yeah. I mean, I think a few things. I think that, A, it's definitely been used by globalists to fucking control the narrative and consolidate power. So first and foremost, you know, we should not be giving up our farmland or like, or, you know, cutting or, or getting rid of nuclear power plants to become in an energy crisis, like Germany, stuff like that. Like that's mm -hmm. obviously insane, which we're doing, which we're doing. Yeah. But I also think that our intelligence agencies have been censoring technologies that could have gotten us off oil and gas and all these other gnarly things that we're doing decades ago right and and we could have energy independence which would in turn lead to everyone i think having freedom from poverty right it's like all these things are 
problems that we have the solutions to, but the people who are making all the decisions won't let us have access to them or, you know, distribute them, them equitably like they should be. Well, you, you control energy, you really control exactly. humanity. And uh, I mean, it's, that's it. It's, that's exactly it. It's, it's There's a, a reason big banking and big oil has been, you know, yeah. tied at the hip since day one. I mean, yeah. Owning the government, owning the education, owning energy, owning the media. I mean, that's how you really control society. I mean, what New York and 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 California are doing right now is absolutely insanity to me. And what are some examples for folks who might not be familiar with that? All right. Well, they're trying to become carbon neutral, which, listen, I don't think it's the best thing to be putting carbon in the atmosphere, but I also don't think it's the worst thing. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. I could go so deep into this, but so New York and California are all shutting down the nuclear power plants. Mm -hmm. So my dad actually ran a nuclear power plant in New York that powered one third of New York City, all of Westchester, and Como, our now disgraced governor. Yeah. He shut down the plant. He made it like too expensive for them to renew their, their nuclear license. And it's all, it, it just boggles my mind because on one end, these same people are like, we need to go carbon neutral. And then they shut down a, a, a nuclear power, a nuclear yeah, power plant, crazy. which is the cleanest, greenest energy we have on this planet at this yeah, point. Yeah. That's always, it's always, it's always accessible. There's a term for, I got to come more prepared next time. Yeah. But so, so they shut down the nuclear power plant, which is putting out, no carbon and they replaced it they replaced it with natural gas plant which can't even create half the power that indian point can yeah and and what else are they doing towns are making gas-powered weed whackers illegal new york and california are banning the purchase of gas-powered vehicles in 2033 what do you think that's going to do to the grid like la is already having brownouts in the summer where they tell you you can't charge your tesla you can't have your ac on it's just, it boggles my mind. Like the, the grids are going to, if we continue down this path without upgrading our grids, we're just going to see roaring blackouts yeah. and then no one's going to be able to move. Yeah. What happens, what happens if you have some sort of disaster and you need to get out, but you can't charge your, your Tesla, your control. And that, that kind of brings me back to the conspiracy like side of things where it's like, they're really trying to just control every aspect of our yeah. lives. And if I have a petroleum vehicle, I can store fuel. I could have it for a long time. I could use it whenever I want. I mean, like my truck, I could go like 700 miles on a tank of gas. <laughs> go all the way to your A and back with, in one tank. Can't do that in a Tesla. So yeah, what, what's happening with energy is definitely, it's definitely scary. And it's all under this like climate change thing, which really yeah. is driving people crazy. Like you see some of these like protesters ruining like, like famous works of art blocking freeways. It social engineering, man, it's a powerful tool. Yeah. It's once again, that's when I start thinking a little more pessimistically. Well, I feel bad for all these kids too, right? Because I I have so much empathy for them too. Cause like, of course they don't want their, world to be blown up by disaster right and everything for the 18 years that they've been growing up yeah. you know their media and their entertainment and their public school system has been telling them 
oh my god, we gotta get off fossil fuels tomorrow, or you're all gonna die, and your kids are gonna have no planet to live on. Like, no shit, they're terrified. So, like, I feel for them. It's just like, man, it's like, I wish. But it's complete BS. Exactly. That's the, si- cool. the science is bought and paid for. Like, they they literally silence people who have a different agenda, or they won't get government funded right. to do their research. Yeah. And I mean, some of the best archaeology. In this stage, it's like Graham Hancock. Like, some of the best archaeology is yeah. happening off the coast from when coastlines have changed. It's like we're yeah, human. Exactly. We're human beings. We could adapt to a changing planet. Yeah, exactly. Which has been changing whether or not we put carbon in. Like, yeah, I don't know how much we're changing the climate. Yeah, my guess would be we are some somewhat. Somewhat, but it was going to change radically. So yeah, radically. Yeah, whether or not we were burning carbon. Or right. Not. Exactly. One comet could come in. Put more. More carbon in the atmosphere than we've done in 100 years. Yeah. One volcano could come in. Even, I mean, we're already in a warming cycle. Carbon's getting released out of the ice. Yeah. And going in the atmosphere. And the planet's greening while, while it happens. I, there's just, it's such like a dogmatic fear tactic that's being used against, against people. And Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's about control, controlling the minds, control, controlling energy, keeping people in fear. Yeah. Which people, people are definitely easier to control when they're, when they're living in fear. Yeah. Is there anything you're afraid of? Government? Yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be my biggest fear, honestly. Would you say fear is the right word for it, though, or more just like predator you're concerned about? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Cause like if I saw a mountain lion, I'd probably be scared of it. Yeah, fair enough. Because <laughs> I know it could probably kill me. I yeah. mean, I, I'd like to, you know, say I have enough knowledge to defend myself in the best way possible. But if like the state really wants to get you, yeah. it'll get you. I mean, I'm not a Donald Trump supporter, but what they've done to him is like it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And why? Because he's like the first somewhat anti-establishment government or politician that we've seen. Yeah. Other than yeah, other than JFK, yeah, what they exactly. do to JFK, yeah, it's a political assassination. Yeah, exactly. And the the, the literal gap. I know about it. Like I know, I know, it's crazy. Like it just seems it literally seems like Biden is guilty of everything they've been trying to frame. Uh, exactly. As Hillary Clinton, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so crazy. But like Trump just gets all this thing, and it's like. I don't know where, dude. It's so I don't crazy. see the blatant racism that people accuse him no, of. Like exactly. I just don't see these things. I don't like him for other reasons, like his reckless spending. He shut down the government during COVID. He kept Fauci in power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sure. kept a bunch of wars going. Like I have my right. own reasons to be like right. he should probably be in jail. But every other politician is just as guilty. No, I, I hear you. Of that stuff. And I I used to hate Trump like when I was in that liberal echo chamber and yeah. believe the media propaganda, right? And like. You look back, and yeah, I mean, look, I think that he made a lot of big mistakes with his cabinet and stuff like that. And I think that, uh, you know, there are other candidates I like much better now in 2024, but I think that if he had not won 2016, like, we would have been fucked. And I think he did a huge service in just making so many people aware of the corruption and the fact that, you know, there's some real bad shit going on in D.C. that we need to wake the fuck up to. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, this war with Ukraine would have happened faster. Yeah, I mean, I think COVID Hillary was already threatening going, up, too. going after Russia. Yeah, but the lockdown would have been worse. Yeah, not that really he really helped. I like 
I like triggering people and saying it's the Trump vaccine because because oh, he likes to take all the credit for that. it because that's like his mo. It's like yeah. oh, I'm the I'm the best at the best thing. Yeah, and then like you know people like. Some some close people to me thought I was like such a monster for not getting vaccine. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh, you mean the Trump vaccine? <laughs> just like a little little explosion in their mind. Yeah, like, wait, what? The best meme to come out in the last ten years was the NPC meme. I don't know that one. The NPC, like, it's that like gray, almost stick figure thing. Yeah, I know where, what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah. So like, unplayable like, character. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that came out kind of like around 2016. Okay. So you might have been in your transition of that yeah, time. Yeah, sure. But yeah, there's there's like a bunch of variations to it. Just like whether it's like no reaction, and then another cartoon of like <laughs> CNN, and then like them reacting the same way CNN's telling them to, or they're like, how do I react to this? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. I even see like people I know that are just in that, and it's like you can tell they're like waiting to be told how to feel about mm-hmm. something. So, do you believe in atheism? In what sense? So, I'm starting to believe. Actually, this conversation I had with my mom before kind of jumping back to to religion and stuff i have adhd so my mind is kind of all fucking oh, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> um, but i think it's ingrained in humanity to worship something sure and i think with the big change of at least in the last couple centuries of people turning away from religion yeah they end up worshiping something, something like else. the state consumerism or, yeah, Climatism. and exactly like humans almost need to worship something. I mean, I feel like what I found that in is like nature and uh-huh. mountains. Totally. And like I am like in love and obsessed with it. And I would say that is a synonym for God. Yeah, I mean, oh God, just staring up at the stars or yeah, the full moon exactly. like that. I am obsessed with that. That's probably my church is. Going hiking yeah. or camping or just getting away from civilization <laughs> and as far into the mountains as possible. All these fucking psychopaths being the only sane one in the insane asylum. But yeah, and then it, it's it's a lot of like the most atheist people that are like the heaviest believers or worshippers in some in something else. Yeah, and I just think it's human nature just trying to find whatever's missing, whether it's yeah. God or yeah or meaning or. Yeah, it's funny. Someone I know who's like very still buying into what their you know the narrative tells them about COVID, like is also like triggered by God as like such like a negative thing. It's like wow, like I don't know. It's just weird that we've gotten to a point in our culture, and again, it's by design where mm-hmm. people have a visceral. Not everyone, obviously, but 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 the the liberals, frankly, not all of them, but again. It's just kind of like, it's like couth to like shit on God and religion and stuff like that. But then like, to your point, they listen to guys like Tony Fauci as if he were their God and, and exactly. man, like dogma just as much. But he's speaking the God, Doc, Dr. God science or yeah. no, what was it? Truth science. <laughs> Do you listen to the Dave Smith podcast at all? No, I've listened to him on Rogan though. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's, he's probably my go-to, uh, Go to podcast, so I'm sure you, if you were to listen to him, you'd it'd be a lot of what's uh inspired me lately. Uh huh, he's definitely my go to. Uh, oh, yeah, 
he calls uh he calls Fauci Doctor Truth Science. <laughs> I mean, dude, during COVID, like I would go in the airports and not wear a mask and just like watch people's reactions. Just has these yeah. and then just be like, I literally know the science on these masks, yeah. and I know they don't it's work. Nonsense. So I'm not gonna wear them until like an officer tells me to be a threat of putting me in a cage or whatever, right. dragging me out of the airport. Right. And then like you'd walk to the airport and you'd see people see you and be like. God. And like we all just kind of take it off. I don't know. I'm definitely, definitely a fan of not complying to things you don't seem just. Right. I agree. Um, that's what you gotta do. Non violent, non cooperation. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what libertarian is about. Voluntarianism. Yeah. The uh, non aggression pr- principle. Ron Paul is huge on that. Yeah. And just you know, do whatever you want. Just don't negatively impact someone else's life. Right. I think that's. That's really the way I kind of live my life. That was the way I was raised and just found. I mean, I think like the, the whole ideology of libertarianism is as far as political ideologies go, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's just the fact that they're striving for freedom and that's it. <laughs> it, it and, you know, I really do believe that huma- humanity will thrive. Yeah with as much freedom as they can get. And I think there's evidence that no matter how much, how much of a sliver of freedom they get, yeah, whether it's economic or social, that they, that they thrive. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's also some good things in the world. Like over the last 20 years, like world hunger has almost been eradicated. Totally. And it, it seems, I mean, and a lot of it's almost, because our industry has been shipped overseas and they're doing a lot of the manufacturing in, in these poor countries, which are getting like their yeah. first economic boom, basically since the industrial revolution happened and all the rest of the Western world was getting it. And just from that little sliver, like their economies just kind of blow up. But yeah. Do you think that after getting arrested, you come to value freedom more? Oh Yeah. Because I was already starting down this path. Because, you know, after high school, I was getting into, like, the economics. Because economics is really what got me into it. But then once they put you in a cage for a plant, you're kind of like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, I did no harm to nobody. And it definitely made me, like, an angry, bitter person for a little bit. To Like, I I felt wronged. And I I felt like it was the government's fault. You know, like, what is this thing to tell me I can't put this substance in my body to put me into a, put me into a cage when I hadn't, you know, my quote unquote crime had no victims whatsoever. You know, like, I don't believe in victimless crimes at all. You know, if there is no victim, who is to say it's a crime? Was getting arrested that made you value freedom so much? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely impacted it, especially at such a young age. So talk to me, like, what was that experience like when you got arrested? Man, I have not thought about this in, in a while, but I felt violated and betrayed. I felt like a victim. I mean, it definitely, definitely changed my worldview. I, to, to, feel so powerless and to have 
an entity as powerful as the state just come down on you and even like the smallest sense was yeah it, it, it was a bad feeling yeah. I, mean, I felt powerless felt like there's nothing i could do and i didn't feel like i deserved it and i've always had people like telling me like oh well you broke the law you knowingly broke the law i, was like, I don't give a fuck about the law yeah. like i didn't do anything wrong yeah and i always i had that mentality the whole time mm-hmm. Like, through it all. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, my first day on probation. Like, I, like, sat down with this, the, like, head of probation. And I basically said that to her. I was like, I, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. I was like, your laws are wrong. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. You have a problem. And they, I had to, like, go to rehab and go to, you know, my, my town was really rural. So our capital was, like, a 30-minute drive, which is where our probation office was. So like, uh, I'd have to like come home from work, drive to probation, sit there, wait for them to piss test me, talk to my PO who was actually a pretty sweet lady and then drive back. And like, it was just like such a hassle watching other people who didn't have cars have to do the same thing. Like yeah. Uber there, take a That's taxi. Bullshit, and man. yeah, it, it, that was definitely a violation of my, of my uh, freedom for sure and then i went into like a really big anti-police phase mm-hmm. which is like oh that's where the, the leftists were agreeing with me and my facebook rants back in the day where like, <laughs> every cops are corrupt asshole like, <laughs> like they all speed they're giving people tickets for yeah, speeding sure. like they're all on their phone giving cell phone tickets out which i still agree with now but then like kind of after the george floyd thing and they're like every cop's a racist pig i was like i don't know if that's Oh, right, right. <laughs> it's well, definitely an aspect well, yeah. at some point. It's an aspect, but like being white didn't help me. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> so it's like it's definitely not all about that, it's right? Like, and it's, it's another also, vacuum of power. It is, and it's also you know a way to divide and conquer. It's a way to just create chaos. It's a way to foment you know racial issues because it's always about you know. And we don't even think about that anymore. Yeah. Of the the. What happened after George Floyd was killed? They burnt down like every city Same. in this country during the pandemic. Crazy. The fact that protests could happen, but you couldn't go to church. Right. The fact that they were burning down government buildings, stores, police departments, no one on the left bad an eye. And then January 6th, I think, is like the craziest thing. And like, you and I, it's like, I don't. I wouldn't storm the Capitol because I know what that bear would do to me. So I'm not going to uh-huh. poke that bear. Uh-huh. But I'm like, if I was pissed off at something, I'd take it out in the government, not a target. So like, I kind of sympathize with the Jan Six people, but I also think they're kind of stupid to go in there. Uh-huh. That's been like just the way that's been handled. I mean, people that, like I'm sure you've seen the videos. There were like cops letting in people. They even, yeah, so they really did, didn't do anything. Yeah, and some of them are seen like 30 years in prison. It's crazy. 15 man. years in prison. It's crazy. And every city in the country was on fire for a year. Yeah. People's businesses were destroyed and torched, and that was another thing where I'm kind of like, yeah, dude, the left's going. Like, I definitely think the left's just a little more crazy. Then, it's definitely gone bonkers. Yeah, just seeing people's reaction to that. It's like, well, racial injustice. I was like, I don't know. They just burned down some black bar owner's bar. Like, yeah, I don't think it's really about that. It's a bunch right. of Antifa kids just letting all the stress out. But divide and conquer, man. It brings it all. You know, I almost always come back to like conspiracy. It's like, I feel like I've been trying to just like 
look at these through not a conspiracy lens. And it just comes back to like, there's people in power that are really just trying to exactly screw us all. It's like the whole, like the most lobbed or the simplest explanation is the, like, I don't think, I don't think I'm like overly intelligent, but like for me to figure out a bunch of this stuff, like, and then a lot of these people in power are super intelligent. Like you're telling me they can't find the correlation between all this stuff. Right. Without it just being massive. Well, I think that's the problem, right? Is they don't get into a position of power unless they're part of it. At least at this point, right? I think, you know, these guys have gotten, have been very good about figuring out all the juncture points that they need to corrupt and then infiltrating from the top down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. From media, government, Hollywood, education Mm -hmm. system. I mean, the majority of my teachers were all left wing. Yeah. I don't think I heard like a different viewpoint until I was like in college. Yeah. I think I maybe had two conservative teachers in high school and like one in college. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. And you're just like everyone in this country's force fed propaganda from basically kindergarten to the first time they could turn on a TV. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's very Orwellian or night. 1984 is like yeah. that perfect. I saw this. I saw a meme of Orwell reading a book called 2023. And it's like classes were like falling off. It's like, oh my God. That's hilarious. I love that, man. Yeah. I mean, he, he saw it. He was right, man. He saw it. Even for a socialist. Orwell was a socialist? He was. I think he changed at the end of his life. but Interesting. Well, I mean, a lot, a lot of... Most of those power-hungry authoritarians started as socialists. I mean, Mussolini was a socialist. Hitler was a socialist. It's like we were just saying. It's at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's just call communists, call one Nazism, bad them against each other, and people forget that they're the exact same fucking thing. Yeah, and and uh, like I see, I kind of see like a linear political spectrum. Um, What do you mean by that? Like I, like I'm sure you've seen the, the. I'm blanking on the name, but like. It's like a, it's like four boxes and like, it's like left, right, and then about. economic freedom, social freedom. Okay. So it'll like, I can, or we'll pull it up, but I just see it like linear. So like anarchy for me is all the way to the right, which is complete and utter freedom. And then totalitarianism sure. is all the way to the left. Sure. And like, I under, it's a very simplistic way of looking at it. Yeah. But that, I mean, so for me, like. Fascism, socialism, communism, they're all bunched on the left. Totalitarianism. Yeah, like communism will be a little more left than socialism. And then, right, you know, because exactly. fascism wasn't the abolishment of private property and there was businesses. I kind of view it as like the right, and I know this is way too simplistic, but I think of like the totalitarians on in both sides, like the right kind of infiltrating the top and consolidating all the wealth and power into these, you know, ginormous multinational corporations that then control the governments. Yeah. And then on the left, you've got them infiltrating the culture on the left, right? And kind of placing their agents in these like positions of influence to to slowly socially engineer society in these weird ways that they want to make you more compliant and to destroy the nuclear family and all that stuff. So would you see Based on your spectrum, would you see fascism as a right wing 
No, I mean, I, I, I follow your viewpoint 100%. Okay, yeah. I, I guess like in it, my example... There's, like, more overlap between, like... Like, what overlap is there with, with, there with, is. Like, with like, fascism and American conservatism? Right. It's, no, no, no. There's really not much, yeah. right? But what's the yeah, overlap right. between fascism and socialism? It's all the same. It's very, very similar yeah. other than, like, the economic... Exactly. Uh, ...viewpoint on it. Exactly. And then let me ask you... What do you think about the whole idea of like the uniparty? Have you heard that term before? The uniparty? Yeah, that basically like our establishment Democrat and our establishment Republican Party, like they pretend to be a different party, but they're actually the exact same. Oh yeah, they're all they're all friends. Yeah, like Mitch McConnell and all the and and Pelosi or yeah, yeah. Feinstein or all these yeah, yeah. freaking skeletons Dinosaurs. that are that that are running our country and yeah. making these decisions for us and making multi-million dollar stock trades on the back end. Just how do you see that? How do right. you, how do you as like someone who claims to be like left wing see like Pelosi and what she's doing and just like orange man bad. It's like how it's crazy. It's like, okay, yeah, he got his money from his dad and was like a I guess questionable businessman. But like sure. you're seeing people write policies and make trades on it and become ultra wealthy and it's just like yeah. not a peep like what happened not to what happened to like the standards and like what yeah what it, they it stood just, they for they just got fucking manipulated into tribalism it's like same thing with hunter biden's laptop yeah it's like he's banging hookers and smoking crack and clearly laundering money from ukraine and it's a non-story. Isn't, what are you talking isn't about? Isn't that what they try to impeach Trump for? Basically? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. Being a Russian asset. It is. And, that's exactly right. I mean, and now we're at war back in Ukraine. Giving them how yeah. much money? How many people do we pass homeless in the street here? Right, it's crazy. Like, I would take some sort of socialism here if we weren't giving all this money to other countries. And it's like, oh, J.P. Morgan and BlackRock had money. to rebuild Ukraine. Yeah. I, you know, at <laughs> least keep the money here. It's like, Crazy. like you don't even hear universal health care anymore. It's just not like the principles of what the left used to fight for. They don't even bring up. It's just this gaslighting. And you know, you're, you're racist. You're, you're a transphobe. Yeah. Like. If like, you don't believe with I have insane dogma, you're a racist. I haven't Nazi. had like a healthcare debate in like seven years. Yeah. Where like, well, but it's argue- funny because they think because Obamacare passed that we now have universal health care. Meanwhile, it's like, look outside. There's more homeless people than there's ever been before in our o- country. Obamacare was written by the health insurance companies yeah. to make themselves rich. And all, all it really did was change the percentage that they could make off uh transactions so they just raise the prices so like oh, the percentage doesn't go up but like the price is yeah so it's and a- and made requirements for it and oh don't get me started on that and yeah no i don't believe in i don't believe in government health care but i'd prefer it that than spending spending on missiles yeah yeah at least it would stay here and we'd have shitty health care but at least people would have it rather than bombing people in the middle east or or, yeah. or Funding Ukraine, one of the most historically corrupt nations in the in freaking Europe. Yeah, exactly. Well, all that said, it makes you optimistic. More and more people are waking up. Yeah, I believe this younger generation's a little more 
conservative and awake than ever before. I mean, my family used to think I was crazy for being a libertarian, and now they agree with almost everything I say. Were they liberals? No, they were conservatives. They were conservatives. But I was like too anti-establishment for them. They're like, end the drug war. Are you crazy? Like, no taxes? Are you nuts? (laughs) Like, end the wars in the Middle East? Like, like, cops are just arresting people for victimless crimes? Like... And now they're all like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, Trump woke a lot of people up. He did, man. That's what I was saying earlier. Like, like I, uh, I'm not a Trump guy. I still have my questions and concerns about the yeah. guy, but like he, he did us a huge, huge service. Yeah. A by stopping Hillary, and B by waking as many yeah. people as he did. But even just anecdotally, like, I had some old coworkers that one in particular, Todd, what's up? I'll probably send this to you. And he was like as far left. Uh, not really far. He was your typical like Hillary type, just yeah. establishment left, and now he's like more radical than I am. And uh, like we used to get in debates at work, and just like he'd be like, "You're crazy. You're naive." Yeah. And now he's just like, you know, buying the wool libertarian, like ANCAP. Like, I was just like to see that kind of change. And then, yeah. like I was saying before, some of my other family and friends change, yeah. where they were kind of just like, "Dude, you are." crazy like i was such right. a black sheep for so long right because i like i haven't really changed my viewpoint since 2008 like i've changed it in certain aspects yeah but you know i've kind of been in the same mindset since and like I've, I've like gone out of my way to look for arguments to almost like challenge my own narrative right that there is no conspiracy that it's all just yeah incompetent you know bumble like because i'm more interested in knowing the truth than being right me too, man. 100%. That's, that's the problem is most people aren't. Yeah. So, like, I would, like, go out and, like, oh, I want to talk to someone that disagrees with me. And, like, I want to hear this and hear opposing views mm. and try to not be in my own echo chamber for, for so long. But, yeah, I mean, I try to be optimistic. But there's also some pessimism weighing in, too. With sure. Just the the economy. I mean, how hard it is for everyone to get by right now. Yeah. Whether I mean, grocery like from 2019 to now, like it's crazy. Did I used to go fill up a grocery cart for like 50, 60 bucks? Now, like a bag of groceries is like 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. Like I'm spending like 150, 200 bucks, and like I do okay. So like, I can't imagine making any less money than I would now. I know, man. It's crazy. People aren't. It's, nah. it's unsustainable. Fill my truck up so over a hundred bucks. Like yeah. everything's so expensive, and just people are just like, nah, not a factor. I'm just worried about trans bathrooms and stuff like that. Yeah, it's exactly. like, dude, your life's getting harder. Funding. <laughs> like your life's literally getting harder at every turn, and yeah. it's harder to afford bins. Like, I mean, look at the housing market here. Did you buy this? No, I'm no. Really- I mean, you can't find anything livable in Colorado for under 500K. Crazy. And they would still need like 50K worth of work. And, you know, I was in, working in real estate for a little bit. So, like, I've seen the whole market. It's like, I was looking at houses when I was 21 for like 100K. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be tied to 100K loan <laughs> in New York, too. Also, the property taxes were going to be more than my mortgage. Oh, yeah. I'll get you. Like George, the nuclear family and abolition of pro- private property, man. Dude, Marxism really is a way to describe it, and it really makes sense. Yeah. It, it, 
Do you think Karl Marx is involved in any conspiracies? Sure. I think he's part of the Illuminati, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Do you have any, like, literature going back on yeah. that? Or? I mean, I think he's one of the biggest pieces of shit in history. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Pawns in the William Guy Card, really good book. But uh, he gets into it. So you think the manifesto is deliberate to, to take human- humanity down a peg? For sure. I mean, I think he was a Satanist, man. Marx. I mean, he was everything he hated, too, right? Like, yeah, exactly. He, he, he grew up upper middle class, never had a job, never had to work. Well, I guess that's kind of every, every Marxist goal. And, and, but, like, anyone that evil, right? Like, they're obviously miserable. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like we don't even, we're not debating facts anymore. A lot of times we're just debating ideologies and intention. And, yeah. You know, like, I, I used to love debating with my like democrat friends about like the history of the party how they were the party of the kkk how they were the party of jim crow how they were the party of or how the republicans were the party of lincoln and the emancipation proclamation it just like blows their mind because they don't teach us stuff in school yeah it's crazy but all but i think it was 95 percent of all dixiecrats and died democrats and like two of them switched over it's just like I, I tell people that they'd be like, no, nah, no way. It's like, yeah, dude, go back in history a little bit. Just take a look. Not that the Republican Party is any better, but. But I do think that they have woken up in mass faster. And I think Trump is definitely, you know, has a lot to do with that for sure. And Trump's basically an 80s Democrat. Yeah, he is. Another cliche, but, you know, sometimes those are good, good talking points. All right. I mean, I got it. Amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's good. I'll pop. All right, so I couldn't find the exact passage I was thinking about, but this book basically pawns in the game. I think it was first published in like the late '40s, early '50s. But yeah, William Guy Carr was like in the military, Canadian guy, mm-hmm. and like I think when he was first deployed in World War One, got exposed to the Marxist conspiracy, and then just kind of started diving into it, et cetera, et cetera. But basically, he traces kind of the history of the Rothschilds and then how they went about infiltrating and creating this kind of political dialectic between what became Nazism or kind of fascism in the West and communism in the East. And that, you know, that this dialectic was started in the 1800s by Karl Marx and Karl Ritter. And Karl Marx wrote kind of the the thesis of communism, the Communist Manifesto. Carl Ritter wrote the antithesis, which ended up becoming kind of like the Aryan warlord kind of Nazi manifesto. And then, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, they're both part of the same exact Illuminati kind of secret stu- structure Hydra. So like it says something in here about like, yeah, so here's kind of what I was just talking to you about. So, all right, here we go. So in 1829, the Illuminati held a meeting in New York, which was addressed by a British Illuminist named Wright. Those in attendance were informed that the Illuminati intended to unite the nihilist and atheist groups with all other subversive organizations into an international organization to be known as communism. The destructive force was to be used to enable the Illuminati to foment future wars and revolutions. Clinton Roosevelt, a a direct ancestor of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Horace Greeley, and Chas Dana were appointed a committee to raise funds for this new venture. The fund they raised financed Karl Marx and Engels when they wrote Das Kapital and the Communist Manifesto. In 1830, Wise Hot died. That's one of the guys I was telling you. He was one of the psychopaths who started the Illuminati. He carried the deception that the Illuminati 
were dead to his own deathbed where to convince his spiritual advisors, he pretended to repent and rejoin the church. According to Weishaupt's revised version of the age-old conspiracy, the Illuminati were to organize, finance, direct, and control all international organizations and groups by working their agents into executive positions at the top. Thus it was that while Karl Marx was writing the Communist Manifesto under direction of one group of Illuminists, Professor Karl Ritter of Frankfurt University was writing the antithesis under direction of another group, so that those who direct the conspiracy at the top could use the differences in these two ideologies to start dividing larger and larger numbers of the human race into opposing camps so they could be armed and then made to fight and destroy each other together with their political and religious institutions. The work Ritter started was continued by the German so-called philosopher Friedrich Wilhelm Nietzsche. So, I'm sorry, what did you say the guy's name was who you said was one of the first? Adam Weishaupt. So how far back do you think Illuminati goes? That was 1776. Uh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Same year. Crazy, right? Yeah. But I mean, Alexander Hamilton was an agent of these guys. Okay. And like, that's what he was the guy who pushed for a lot of the more federalist powers mm -hmm. in our constitution, right? Like, who wanted a central bank? It all comes back to control of the money, man. It does. It does. All right. So who do you think... Who would you say is your least favorite president in history? That's a good one. There's so many horrible ones. <laughs> I think FDR for me. For you, really? Yeah. Dude. Why do you say that? Just the gr I mean, I can't think of someone who grew the government more. That's a good point. How many terms did he run for? Like four. Four in a row? I mean, they were calling him a communist, a communist at the time. He supported all the fascist. In hindsight. He supported all the fascist movements at the time. The, the New Deal, the biggest, uh, basically the start of socialism in a sense in this country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a tyrant, a commie, powerhouse. But what's crazy is he was, almost, he was almost assassinated by the same cabal that took out JFK. Have you heard that story? No, I know. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. He's actually, he's from about 20 miles north of me. Oh, yeah. In, in New York, in Mountain Valley, Hyde Park. Yeah. I, I, no, I didn't know about that. I was just thinking off what he did politically. I mean, yeah. I mean, the New Deal, we're still paying it off. No, you're right. It well, just extended the Great Depression even more. No, but, you're totally right. I, I, and that's kind of what I have come to agree with is just they were all just fucking operatives of these motherfuckers. Wilson, too. Yeah, Wilson was one of the pretty, worst. Pretty terrible. <laughs> I, think, I think pretty much all of them since JFK have been terrible. Yeah, I used to say JFK was the last good president. And I remember saying this, like, I'm not, so my friend, my libertarian friend back home was like, I'm not a Trump guy, but he's the best president we've had since JFK. No doubt. Hands down. Yeah. yeah. And I don't even agree with 90% of what he does. Yeah. It's just any little bit of uh, anti-establishment thing. Like, I'm just so hungry for it. And so are the people, which is why Trump had such a movement. I mean, even Obama, even though he was a fucking liar, like, he got people excited by claiming to be anti-establishment. So Bernie Sanders too, but that that DNC will eat you, eat you alive. Yep. Oh, one thing I, I remember I used to do to wake people up was play JFK's like last speech about secret societies. That's a great one. I believe it's his last speech. It was like a month before he got really assassinated. And about like the independence of the press. Yeah. I showed my you one. Know, man. I showed my as he was like waking up to like the libertarian kind of like mindset and yeah. like. He got like goosebumps on his arm. He's yeah. like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I mean, just verbatim, 
he's calling out vast conspiracies just for for what they are right what well, i can't think of the actual quote but it's yeah, uh, trying to pull up the the language and you know he started as a very establishment person he did yeah too. that's then, the only reason he was able to get to the top yeah how is it i saw you met robert yeah that was cool did you get to talk with him at all or was no it not really it was like it was i so basically when i got to the event like i should have just gotten right up to him i just like I don't know. It's kind of shell shocked, right? So I kind of yeah. wait a little bit, and then like I went up and like shook his hand, but it was like right as he was kind of like wrapping up that piece, and then it was like going to his his speech part, you know? Okay. So um, so yeah, but it was still really cool just to meet him and shake his hand and all that, and hear what he had to say. Is there anything that you disagree with him on? I'm sure there is. Yeah, yeah there you don't agree with everyone on everything. Sure. Yeah, exactly. But generally, I'd say I'm pretty well aligned with him in, in most points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. And I also feel like, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of, in one hand, I feel a little silly about it because I hate the two-party system. I think we need to like do away with that structure entirely. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I do feel like, you know, I, I had bought the, the, the propaganda of what the Democratic Party was selling for so long, right? That I almost feel like a, a bit of a responsibility to come in and say, hey, like we can... Like the ideals that we were sold on, even though we were sold them by, you know, snake oil salesmen, like mm -hmm. they, they still are valuable. Like in, there's real truth and in, in to what, you know, the ideals behind liberalism are supposed to be. So like, I think that it's important to get out there and show examples of, you know, what a Democrat can really be. And then regardless, even a political party, I think just having politicians that people can look up to and, are willing to get out there and just call it like it is and admit the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Ron Paul, hands down, my favorite, oh, really? favorite politician of all time. I'm sure you've seen that uh, Jordan Peterson snippet where he's, he's like, you need progressives because sometimes you need to change or you need new ideas, but you need conservatives because sometimes you need to do what you've always done. Set something around there. I'm sure I butchered it. Well, I haven't seen like, that. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Has, done some great things i want to actually start listening to some of his like biblical stuff i mean i remember following him i guess it was when trump was getting elected when he first uh -huh. got like they tried to like cancel him and it was because he was objecting to some law in canada that was going to require you to to refer to someone as their pronouns or there was like language in it that would require you to to uh, uh, to call someone what they wanted to be and uh he was like against it as like a free speech thing and it's like yeah. a lot of the people i listen to are people from the left that have moved towards like just anti-establishment sure figures i mean sure. jordan peterson even joe rogan not that i really see him as like an intellectual but like i love how his oh he is no he's yeah, out there he's super smart he, he's smart he's and he's just out there like looking for answers to questions yeah, yeah. and he just it's asks so questions curious. and lets people talk i don't understand the hate that he gets I get, once again it's just the establishment like he's questioning the narrative like gotta cancel him someone healthy too like yeah, exactly. how cnn like put the filter on his face but yeah i mean i was talking to a friend and they're like oh you listen to rogan like i hate rogan it's like why 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 what do you say or do it's just like oh uh, <laughs> misogynist. He's a racist. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's like, just what you've been told that he exactly. is. Like, 
go listen to him. He's had someone on that you like. I guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's an author or a politician yeah. or an athlete or some a comedian, go just listen to that podcast. Yeah. Does he really seem like someone that's that evil? I mean, I, I also think there's like a war on masculinity. I definitely agree with that. And there has been for a real long time. Yeah. And, you know, Rogan, I mean, even like health, it's like, remember there was like the, those articles going around where like, this. Yeah, or yeah. like the alt right, or like being healthy is like is like is just a alt right viewpoint. It's yeah. like it's like you just don't want people to be able to be self sufficient and healthy and responsible. Crazy, you want you want reliant people, right? If you're in control, you want people reliant on you, whether it's welfare. It's yeah, distracted man. You know, it's also. So I'm against the welfare state as well. Yeah. Although I mean, and I I would I would voluntarily donate to welfare or charitable or organizations if I believe they're going to something good. Right. Having the state take it from me while people get rich in them in the meantime, and then it has the opposite effect on society as it wants, like divorce rates mm-hmm. being so high, absolutely bad for for society incentivizing single mo- single parenthood and single mothers by giving them money where they're almost where, not almost where they are incentivized to have the father out of the life so that they get more money from the government right i mean it just a lot of that comes down to just corruption destroying the family i mean exactly well then look at like uh, you know like the blm movement like right that was obviously corrupt from the top down oh yeah go and then it's like they're fun where they funnel money to right and then but then it's like yeah and it's like it's just like they've hijacked the entire you know like the black community too it's like they're they're telling them that you know it's these cops that are keeping bound like that's it's like it's all Mm -hmm. misdirectionary not to say there's not corrupt cops but it's like look at the fucking structure of society where we've made it possible for african-american families to get homes right we've mm-hmm. locked them into multi-generational cycles of poverty we've created this prison industrial complex where to your point about prison incarceration something like a third of black men will spend time in prison they're like right it's like the, the it's all misdirection from what these real fucking economic drivers are that are continuing to perpetuate the destruction of the nuclear family yeah and a lot of that comes from the Democrats too, like it does because the was it the first eleven black congressmen are all Republicans. There's that Lyndon B. Johnson quote where he's like, "I'll have them, you know what, vote with Democrats for the next two hundred years," and it's when they start giving out handouts because when you're relying on someone, you're not going to take care of yourself, and it's really destroyed all communities. Not even like race doesn't even really matter, but you know, back then did. Yeah. It did. Um, but yeah, the LBG tapes, definitely something to look into. Yeah, interesting. I mean, yeah, I was I was always really interested in like the history of the parties themselves. Yeah. And just, you know, what they've done throughout history, especially the last like 50, 60 years. Yeah. And how little we were taught about it in in public school, or at least I was. I don't know. I was also raised in a very Almost liberal. It was weird. It was a very weird mix because some of like the rural people in my neighborhood were like pretty conservative, but then like being right next to New York City, we had like some of the most liberal people you yeah, can sure. imagine, and especially by 
by the time I was like deciding to move, it was just like, I just couldn't be it there. I mean, Denver's relatively purple, not Denver, Denver's blue, but Colorado is relatively purple. So I'm a little more comfortable because that's kind of how I grew up. Yeah. But like New York just got so blue. It's like unbearable. I just didn't, I didn't have much in line with anyone there anymore yeah. other than just like my friends. I just felt ostracized by, yeah, by the state. The have, city. You felt, have you felt ostracized by just generally like your overall skepticism of the establishment? I used to more. Um, to be honest, a lot of my left wing friends just stopped talking to me, at least really? the ones from high school. Or we just sort of like we disagree on politics and that's fine. Yeah. But there's not that the only ones who could do that only like loosely follow it. Yeah, like exactly. People, like the people, like they're just like, oh, like I don't know. I went to mind readers. Yeah, I went to college. Like, climate change is real. I'm vaccinated, but like they don't, they don't go past that. Right. But the people who are like actually like, I'm supporting Bernie Sanders, or like I'm super far left. Like they're like, fuck this kid. <laughs> Although that's that's and that's that's a generalization. There's definitely exceptions. I have, I do have, and stay in contact with a bunch of left, super left wing people who are just. At odds with me. I mean, I'm thinking of one friend in particular who, you know, I see his Facebook post and I shake my head, but like, he probably does the same thing when he sees what I was posted. But every time we're together, it's just like, whatever, man. And he's like, yeah. he's more of like the, like the socialist, like, I just want people to be taken care of type of guy, like, which I can respect because if you look at it from a real, you look at it on the surface it all makes sense right, right totally <laughs> like i totally. just no one should be hungry no one should right. be without health care you know i get it i get the compassion but i'm just too much like does it what happens when government provides health care right like where's mm -hmm. the incentive right. is the health care better <laughs> yeah do negative things come with that well tell him, man this has been a fucking blast of a <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm sure a little chaotic, a little sporadic. It's good though, man. That's how I like to keep them bounced around. Yeah, exactly. I hope, I hope people could follow my ADHD mind. But, <laughs> but no, I've enjoyed myself, man. If we do this again, I'll probably try and come with a little more structure and some 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 topics and things that are, you know, it'd be nice to have like stats and facts and stuff you can read off rather than just trying to reach into my mind and <laughs> remember all this, but. Yeah, well, good shit, man. Well, this was a blast. Yeah, I've had a great time. Awesome, homie. Thank you. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. In this conversation, Tolan and I discussed the polarization of the American public. In this outro, which continues at episode 61 due to length, I dive further into this division and argue that our current political split is not one of Republican versus Democrat, but rather one of globalism versus self-governance. The outro begins by defining the globalist threat and how the globalists have infiltrated American media through the CIA. I first highlight the mainstream media oligopoly, the six media conglomerate which control 90% plus of the film, television, and print content distributed. I next highlight the role elitist organizations like the Council on Foreign Relations have played in the destruction of our, of our free press. Next, I highlight BlackRock, 
its CEO Larry Fink, and the role played by the asset management cartel in consolidating power for the globalists. I then discuss Operation Mockingbird, a CIA program to infiltrate the media, which was declassified during the 1970s Church Committee hearings, and which continues to this day. I highlight the ongoing lies perpetuated by the mainstream media with the case study of ivermectin, the miracle drug labeled as a horse dewormer by the Mockingbird media during the pandemic. I then provide evidence that Anderson Cooper is acting as an agent of the CIA with investigative journalism Luke Rudkowski of We Are Change and testimony from German reporter Udo of Kulte. I next discuss the role the CIA has played in Silicon Valley since its infancy, then dive into specific examples of the big tech oligopoly's corruption. First, we discuss Microsoft and its founders Robert Barron's Bill Gates and Paul Allen. I then highlight Reid Hoffman, LinkedIn, and the elitist organization Bilderberg Group. Part one of the outro concludes as we consider DARPA, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and the disturbing prevalence of child sex abuse material on Meta's platforms. Part 2, episode 62, begins with the discussion of the PayPal Mafia, Palantir, and its founders Peter Thiel and Alex Karp. I then highlight the corruption and censorship rampant at Google and and supported by its founders' executives Sergey Brin, Larry Page, and Eric Schmidt. I then discuss the Jeffrey Epstein-funded Edge Foundation and the evidence that Edge annual billionaires' dinners were used by Epstein as an influence-slash-blackmail operation to extend his human trafficking networks into Silicon Valley. The discussion on Silicon Valley and the CIA wraps as I highlight Twitter slash X, Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk, and Disney. The outro ends with an appeal to Kshatriya, the spirit of the cosmic warrior. I am what you see. The rest lies in the shadows and the halls of dreams, or so it seems. You might call this free. Is it us? Could it be that we can't comprehend your harmony? No matter.